Welcome to Dynasty Theory, your source for everything Dynasty Fantasy Football, with your hosts, John Bauer. Looking to sell everybody price-dependent. Dan LaMagna. Too much dysfunction in Cleveland. And Mitch Sorensen. Well, it's hard to compete with excellence. Welcome back to another live episode. Live if you're watching through the Dynasty Theory Patreon. Proud member of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast Network. I'm your host, John Bauer. Find me on Twitter at The Bauer Club. Over there in his Dynasty Theory swag, we are joined by Dan LaMagna. That is at FF Coach Dan on Twitter. What's up, Dan? Pump for tonight's show. Pump for the season. I think I have like one more family weekend of plans I got to navigate through before I'm like all in and uh, we'll be bringing Coach's corner back. Uh, DraftKings prices are out, boys. You know, I'm pumped about that. I'm getting ready to dive more into O-line and defense uh, and with, you know, so many weeks left in the season. And as you see that logo on our screen there, the $250 best ball, big dog contest by underdog, man. I'm really stoked for that. So although, you know, dynasty trumps all, man, it's it's all football 24-7 right now. And while it is dynasty theory, we do have a fantastic partnership with underdog fantasy. Use code theory if it's your first deposit. Get a free $25 bonus. It is literally instantly. It's like within 30 seconds, mm-hmm. boom, it hits your account. When I deposited for the first time, I I don't think I had that in my account longer than like 10 minutes. I was like, boom, you're, you're out the door. And then, like I said, Dan's wearing the Dynasty Theory shirt over at Public. So the links, everything we talk about, the Patreon, the Discord, Public, and Underdog Fantasy, the links are all below if you're watching on YouTube, and they'll also be available in whatever podcast app you listen to the show. With that said, we're also joined by Mitch Sorensen. That's at Dino MC. What's going on, Mitch? What's going on? It's a busy week in the Sorensen household. My youngest is graduating from preschool, and Ooh. he's going into kindergarten here for a couple of weeks. So tomorrow we have like all those festivities planned, take him out to lunch, do something fun after. But for right now, still Dynasty time. That's fantastic. Congratulations to the little yes. guy. So we have him graduating from, from preschool up to kindergarten. Hopefully some of these guys that we're talking about tonight, they graduate from, hey, training camp darlings to, to gridiron heroes on Sundays. That was a that was well done. Well, yeah, I, done. I, I, it just came to me. So we want to start off by talking about training camp battles. And this is any situation where we have multiple players vying for one spot. And it could be a quarterback position or all the way down through tight end. But. Mitch, let's start with you. What is the most intriguing training camp battle? And we are sitting here like five days into training camp. And I can tell you the Dynasty Theory Discord, the news has not stopped. We have been a fantastic resource for everybody. I have been actively, and this is no joke, I have been actively reaching out to beat reporters to see if there's anything, any, I don't want to leave any stone unturned, but anything that has not been tweeted, can I get a little inside information that other people might not be getting? Um, so that's been fun. We've been throwing the news blurbs in there constantly. But anyway, Mitch, battles, what do you got? So this one's probably not the most talked about, but I think it's really important for me, and it's A.J. Green. And the reason why I bring up A.J. Green is because John and I did our projections, right? And we actually had Kyler Murray coming in as the quarterback one. And in order for him to do that, he's going to run a lot, of course. He's also going to pass a lot. We have Hopkins with a lot of receptions. And I think how... AJ Green comes on the team, how much he's targeted is going to directly affect Christian Kirk if he's still on the team at this point. Um, Rondell Moore, 
if he's how much on the field he is. And just with AJ Green, I could see him getting more work than Fitzgerald got two years ago. And I could just see him being the guy that no one thought about all offseason. Then all of a sudden he comes in and gets, you know, 95 targets over the season. And then everyone's like, he was free. Why didn't we touch him? And that's just the one guy so far, rave reviews in camp. You know, I don't care about highlight videos and stuff like that, but he's looking good so far. And that's what we really want from him. That's been one thing that we've been actively avoiding whenever we're giving news to the the patrons and the people in the discord, because we want it to be news. So now we're kind of talking about hype pieces a little bit. AJ Green, he certainly is getting positive press, but just like Mitch, just like he said, he has been dirt cheap throughout the offseason, and rightfully so. Nobody's advocating for going out and spending high draft capital or sending high-end assets, but dirt cheap in startups, dirt cheap in existing leagues. So if you're in a deeper league, you're starting uh, 11 players, 12 players, you're starting 10 players, but it's a 14-16 team league. A.J. Green most likely is going to find starting lineups constantly throughout the offseason. So if he can catapult himself up, to that wide receiver 36 range even, that's a huge win. Dan, I'm going to ask you something here. So we're talking about A.J. Green and a lot of people, and again, I get it. He's washed. There's no reason to even talk about him. But from a coaching aspect and being being with these guys, you know, on the field and at practice, not at the NFL level, again, unless you're holding out on us there. Who knows? Dan's living a second life coaching the NFL. But... How much of this could be he really just wanted out of Cincinnati? He was just, uh, yeah, just kind of going through the motions, and now he really likes the opportunity to play with Kyler Murray, this Arizona franchise, and lining up across from DeAndre Hopkins that he's kind of rejuvenated here uh, heading into 2021. I think there is definitely something to that, and health is really the key for A.J. Green. But as you watch his career, I mean, this guy had a Hall of Fame trajectory career at one point. You know, he's racking up these 1,000-yard seasons. He's a number one receiver. I mean, A.J. Green's a spectacular wide receiver. But in the last few years, it's unraveled for him. Might have been even one of you guys or someone shared a post in our Discord of him, you know, that fight with Ramsey. That was, like, so out of character for A.J. Green a couple of years ago as his temper was just coming out sideways. So sometimes it's like just being on the job for, you know, almost 15 years and it's just it's just kind of old and stale. And and man, let's be honest, guys, Cincinnati over, you know, the term of his career, that would test anybody's patience. They didn't have a lot of a lot of success. So he goes to a new scenario, motivated, chip on his shoulder, something to prove, looks in great shape. From a coaching perspective, I get a guy like A.J. Green in my locker room, in my receiver meeting room with all that experience and all that talent and all that pedigree, the expectations are high. Kyler Murray's, Murray's already praised him. He's, he's even saying, he goes, A.J. Green has something to prove. Whatever you know, the you know naysayers are, are throwing out there, I'm not buying it. Coaches like him. And he goes to a good situation. I think it was really smart. You know, Larry Fitzgerald most likely not coming back. And uh, even if Fitz, for some reason, did at some point, it's probably going to be a very minor role. Uh, so he's got an opportunity, man. Number two receiver there in Arizona, that, that's that's possible, depending on how Moore's role kind of, you know, plays out in his rookie season. If you're contending, it's certainly a player that I would look to get thrown into a deal, mm-hmm. especially if the manager that has A.J. Green is not contending. But I want to transition really quickly. You mentioned him already, Mitch, Christian Kirk. He was not at practice today. And 
even through the evening, I was trying to find something, mm -hmm. some explanation, and I didn't see anything. So what happens when a player misses practice? Gonna get traded. That's the only reason. Like even the beat reporters said it. The beat reporters were like, if you're missing practice now, you're either injured, which they know about, or something else is going on. And so we just don't know what that something else is. Now, there is the opportunity. I'm not saying go out and get Christian Kirk based on speculation alone, but if he would land in New Orleans, I think that would be intriguing. You know, uh, in the Discord, people were talking about Chicago. I think that could be somewhat intriguing. You know, so there are opportunities. If that were to happen, if you get a prime landing spot, maybe this presents the case to move on from him finally and he's not locked on your roster and again it does open up for things for Rondo Moore AJ Green I mean and Isabella possibly I, doubtful uh Dan it looked like you were gonna say something yeah I didn't know if you were switching gears yet I didn't want you to just because the one thought on Christian Kirk and I saw that in the discord today as I was, I was like barely trying to keep up it's like you know NFL news and there's like 365 messages in the discord it's, and like it's nonstop. it's just madness so you know I'll be scrolling there through there and your point on Kirk missing practice, one, I mean, I give props to everybody in the Discord that is thinking outside the box and being aware that that is a possibility. So he's a guy that, if you know, I was traded, talking trade with a dynasty owner, eh, maybe I have a little interest in taking a flyer on Kirk. In the same breath, though, I wouldn't be surprised tomorrow if to hear, like, uh, you know, the car broke down on the highway yeah, or there's some, right. you know, issue and he's in the doghouse now either. So temper your expectations. Uh, with Christian Kirk... <laughs> they are tempered. They're always tempered. <laughs> we have we have been waiting for moments like these to build our hype up and our expectations up just a little bit and then come crashing back down. So we talk about AJ Green, which I did not really think we were going to spend any time talking about him tonight. But here we are. Dan, what is a training camp battle that you're looking forward to here? Just a question before I go into that. Did Mitch even have AJ Green in the notes? Because I know John had, like you know, again, his typical great notes for the show. Mitch goes in the show notes. This is like behind the curtain for our listeners. Mitch goes into the show notes and says, hey, I'm going in a different direction, John, which was good creative thinking like Mitch does. But Mitch, I don't even see A.J. Green in the it, Cardinals situation in your notes. Is it? It's or right there. It's yeah. like the third paragraph down. Yeah, maybe, maybe I missed it. Maybe I copied the notes late and I'm not sure. But I was just seeing if Mitch was misbehaving again. <laughs> but uh, training camp battles, man, there's there's so many. And, and once Mitch opened the window to misbehave a little today, I'm like, all right, I'm going to zone in on my offseason takes and see where I need to sell and buy any shares. And I guess one competition or share I'm really looking at is my boy, Uncle Lenny there up in Tampa Bay. Because when I, this offseason, went after Leonard Fournette, yes, partially it's my heart. We know the story. But with Leonard Fournette, he's shown glimpses of being a bell cow back. And being Lombardi Lenny like he was in the postseason, I'm thinking, all right, man, this guy learned. He talked about being humbled. You know, I'm, I'm thinking new attitude going to be in great shape. But then the offseason comes and they bring in Gio Bernard. And that's a worry because if anyone steals the pass catching role, that puts a little dent in it. Rojo still getting his annual Rojo hype. So it's like it's not so much competing against Rojo and Gio as it is competing against the timeshare, which would kind of. Yeah, put a little nick in, in Lenny's value. I'm still bullish. I still think he's better than those two other backs. And I think the cream rises to the top and he wins it. So I'm, I'm, I'm buying, but I'm watching closely. I'm wondering what win it means is the problem though, right? What's that? <clears throat> sorry. Sorry. I did my Reef normal coffin thing. You know how it goes. Wait, are you, drinking, are you drinking black cherry again? I'm not. Maybe it's something else. Who knows? Okay. Could be but, allergies. So, Could be allergies. Something he shouldn't be drinking. 
my worry with the Bucks, and this is for almost the whole offense. I mean, Godwin is kind of the only one that I still kind of like. I don't know who's going to get the targets each week. I don't know who's going to run the ball each week. I don't know who's going to catch the ball out of the backfield each week. I mean, I like Tom Brady still. I think he's going to be even a good dynasty quarterback this year and probably next year as well. But I don't have faith in anybody else in that offense. Yeah. Wait, really quick. All I'm thinking here is if I could physically push Mitch over, just – Get in the oh, middle of your screen, God. Mitch. We we need to see your bright, <laughs> smiling face when you analyze and and give your feedback on the Bucks' backfield. Maybe it was because you changed your positioning, and it's really just messing me up. Like you changed your whole office again for the thousandth time. I did, and it's affecting everything. <laughs> I did. I, did. I, like, I like how you each throw cast the blame. No ownership there whatsoever in this Not dynasty theory team. That's that was fine. good, uh, Dan. Anything else there on on? Mitch's last comment as he was fading off the screen. Yeah, we'll just stay on the Tampa Bay train there because in my notes, I I also mentioned, and I like that Mitch brought that up, the receivers and where the ball's going because Antonio Brown, a year removed from any distractions, a year removed from any injury, this guy was the best wide receiver in football before he went off the reservation. So it seems all together, and he's got another year with Tom Brady. He could put a little dent in some of those shares there for Godwin and Evans. And then I am watching my my darling, Jalen Darden, 14 shares of them, gain real reps this season or at least be a solid dynasty investment. They love them. The <laughs> receivers are talking good about him. They say this kid's fast. He, Mike Evans praised them. So I am watching that camp hype, and I am liking my 14 shares. And, you know, one injury, guys. It's all it takes. Dan's over here hoping for inji- injuries. You hate to see it. No, but Jalen Darden, he's a fine stash. I know. He's a fine stash. You know, there are so many question marks over Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown. What happens to them beyond 2021? So there's no issue there. The way I see the receiving core, I do think that all three of them very well could be top 36 this season. Does that take away the high upside of a top six receiver? Absolutely. But still, three guys that you're going to be happy to have in your lineup on a weekly basis, and especially from your your, your dynasty shares. Mitch, you're raising your eyes. I, on any given week, I think all... All three of those guys could garner a 15% target share every single week. I do. And then I worry about who's going to get the touchdown because they're going to be the ones that you really want in your lineup. I think definitely by the end of the season, they're all going to be wide receiver 36. But I'm going to worry that it's going to happen one week for Evans. The next week is Brown. The next week is Brown. And then the next week, it's going to go to Godwin. Right, uh, we saw. Gr- we saw good for two weeks. We saw all three of them coexist, though, and and be fantasy relevant. And maybe it is two out of three some weeks, but still, you're you're getting a, a pretty good shot there. So, but I, I, there is the concern. There is the limited ceiling, and not necessarily camp battle, but a situation we are paying attention to. Super Bowl lineup, JB, where everybody came back and the offense looks perfect. What could it's go a, wrong? It's in, but seriously, it's incredible that in this day and age with free agency and, and contract renegotiations and, and greed at times, the fact that they brought everybody back is absolutely incredible. They, People they, love playing for Brady. I they, mean, everyone said it was the Patriot way before, but it's really Brady. Everyone wants to play with him and you can't, you know, blame him for going down there and wanting to play. Right. Now we do have a lot of other situations we want to talk about. It's only I, been 15 minutes. We've I, gone through two. We're okay. I know. All right. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to rattle through some situations, quick hitter, one-liner, how you see it playing out in 2021, okay? How you see it playing out this year 
in its entirety. So if it's a gradual thing, mention that. But then also, if what we have seen over the last week has changed your value or thought process when looking at any of these players, okay? And then if a listener is saying, well, I, I don't really know what Mitch's uh, value was of this player, go back and listen to previous episodes of Dynasty Theory because we're going to talk about it there. It's a good idea. I like it. All right. So we're going to go Mitch, Dan, Mitch, Dan, all the way through here. Mitch, we're going to start with yours. Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater, quarterback in Denver? I actually think it's probably going to be Locke at this point. Everything we've seen, he's been the quarterback, better quarterback in camp, and so that's probably where I'm leading right now. Is that before or after John's digging of beat reporters, Mitchell? Well, I did hear that John got a message from a certain someone, but I don't want to ruin it. So I, you know, I, I mentioned beat reporters, and some actually did not respond, but this is in all seriousness. The first person that responded to my DM was Woody Page. Like, j- I love Woody. very quickly. And there was kind Page. of a little bit of a snarky comment from him, but I kind of liked it. I was like, okay. So Woody Page firmly believes still his position has not changed. Drew Locke, starting quarterback here. Dan, do you think it stays the same? Do you think it's Drew Locke to start and it continues or does Teddy step in? Yeah, I'm ignoring all the coaches talk, even before that Woody Page post, but always has a place in my heart dynasty theory fans if you could ever go back and watch an old youtube dynasty theory it is the episode woody page my favorite ever um but i just think i'm going back i've said it before worked out with peyton manning did all the right things goes to camp he's not throwing interceptions we says if he doesn't throw the interceptions in camp that's a really good sign so i'm not buying the coaches talk i think drew luck's the guy at least for this season um we'll see how well he does there's so many weapons in an offense so it's it's a sneaky play there. It's make or break there. All right, Mitch, Mac or Cam? It's Cam. I Cam's having a far better camp so far, and it looks like he's actually connecting with the wide receivers. And I think leading into the next one, I think it's really good for the next player as well. We're seeing a lot of good reports about Nelson Aguilar, about uh, uh, Nikhil Harry. Jacoby Myers. Jacoby yeah. Myers. And I stumble over Nikhil Harry because I'm like, what's <laughs> like, wait, what's that guy's name? Does he still play? Uh, so I, I agree, actually. I think it is Cam, even though Mac is one of my most rostered quarterbacks. Dan, Mac, or Cam? Yeah, I'm going to say Cam, too. Coach Bill is the one coach that it's going to be his way. He doesn't care, you know, where he drafted him, unlike the other quarterback situations. Mac was a little bit later, but I think this offense was built for Cam. They know what they have. They could groom Mac and be patient with him. And I'm more interested to see how the offense evolves. You know, I really think it's going to be – can I go into the, the, the other positions, or are you going to get to receivers, tight ends, John? We'll get to them. We'll, we'll get to okay. them. I'm really intrigued by the New England offense. And here's here's my thing though. I think it starts Cam Newton, whereas before I thought it was Locke and it stays with Locke. I think there's a very realistic possibility that team is one and three after their f- first four games. I, I really do believe that. And then they have the their week five opponent is somebody. You got me curious now. Houston. It's Houston. So if you're one and three, I think that's a prime opportunity for Mac Jones to get in there. But if Cam Newton is named the starter, which I think he is, and I think that's a sweep across the board here, that gives you another window to move him. You hear me, Dan? Move Cam Newton when he's named the starter, because I know you have him. I know you have him. have plenty of shares to move. All right, so we're not going far. We're going to the backfield. Damien Harris versus the field. That's what I have written down here. Mitch, is it Damien Harris's backfield, and do we see fantasy relevance from him? I think so, and Dan was actually on this very early, and I was hesitant, but now I'm all aboard, and – 
I have Damian Harris on a few teams and I'm getting a lot of offers for him. I'm probably getting more offers for him than I am most other running backs. Right. So he's someone that I definitely like to have. Dan, you're still aboard the Damian Harris train. Yeah. You, you know, this just shows our OCD and craziness and we try to like sort through the camp narratives, but I hold on to a lot of those old narratives. And last year, I remember the the Patriots running back coach just looking at cameraman straight in the eye and saying, this kid's going to be a good running back in the NFL. And it, there, there's no coach to speak when like the running back coach is just, you know, talking about his boys and he showed it on film last year. So I love Damian Harris, but I will say don't rule out Sony Michelle. I, I really do believe he's still in the mix and in excellent shape. Um, I just think he's there. I think he's a good bench player, Sony. But Damian Harris is 100% the guy. Not worried about Ramondre Stevenson or anything like that. Well, you're whistling a different tune because you love Ramondre. In the future. Not now. Not no, now. But, that, but we always talk about that. We are we are anti-take lock. Mm-hmm. It is okay to change your mind on players, and I think it's critical whenever it warrants it. And in this case, it does. So, Dan, I give you a hard time, but I do commend you on that one. Uh, we, Damian Harris, we have him like 40 45% of the rushing market share. If that gets up over 50, look out because now we're talking about possibly even low end running back two numbers. And certainly that comes into play. Whenever you look at Mac and cam, if cam's not into vulture, those touchdowns, Damien Harris really could get utilized. Uh, last year, I think it was a one and a half percent touchdown rate. That's extremely low. Yeah. Double that, and he's still on the low side. Like four, four and a half percent right there. Is, I think average. And that's the tricky part. Like I could easily see him having a thousand yard rushing season, but I could easily see him getting sniped by Cam in the red zone, sniped right. by Janu, sniped by Hunter. Like uh, that offensive coaching staff's definitely, definitely going to drive people crazy this year. And we know he's not going to be utilized in the passing game, at least if James White's healthy. I, I think I know a lot of people there sour on James White. Oh, he's he's done. But Bill Belichick loves him, and he's going to be used in the passing game. All right, we have a few more backfields here. Trey Sermon, Raheem Mostert, Mitch. I think Mostert, I don't think they ever wanted him to be the guy. I think they want him to come in, be this really fast dude who could get, you know, three touchdowns on six carries that we've seen before. So I actually think Sermon is going to be the early down back. Oh, you you took a, a U-turn. Like the way you start, you said Raheem Mostert. And then, oh, wow. Yeah, and so I actually ball. think Mostert's going to be the two-minute. Um, and then he's going to come in to, to relieve Sermon off the field. But, And I th- think that actually ends up hurting Sermon a lot more than what people are counting for. I think if you're the first and second down back for the 49ers, it's not the greatest thing in the world. But... I think he's going to be still overpriced for what he's actually going to do on the field this year. And we're going to package this up, Dan, before I turn it over to you, Mitch, we're hearing, I mean, Trey Lance was what 14 of 14 today, something mm-hmm. like that. People were loving him. <laughs> There's Twitter victory laps already. <laughs> it's Come important. Got to get those out about Trey Lance. How does this impact that running back situation? How do you think the quarterback situation plays out? It's huge. If Garoppolo's in, Sermon's going to get some more touchdown opportunities. I mean, most of it is too. Once Trey Lance is on the field, this is going back to Cam Newton when he was young. I mean, those touchdown opportunities are just going to die for the running backs. So while we could love Sermon and what that offense can do for running backs, Lance is going to snipe a lot of those. And I think that's why we really like Lance going into this year too, because I think he's going to be the starter pretty early. Let, let me ask though, would would you be looking to pivot and move Trey Sermon once he's named the starter? Or do you I'm think already he's still- trying to move Trey Sermon? Okay. To be honest okay. With you. 
Yeah. Okay. All right, Mitch. I'm th- or Dan. I'm throwing this package deal over to you. Trey Sermon, Raheem Mostert. How does this play out in 2021? And then behind center, under center, quarterback Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo. How does that look? Good takes by Mitchell, and I'm not too far off. Except my my only maybe argument would be I I'm not looking to move Sermon. Although maybe I'm a hypocrite, Mitch, because I think I traded him to your brother in one league. I think so. But, yeah. but that was for you know a third quarterback and super flex because because I love Sermon. I think long term he's the answer, but. This year, I think it's going to be a little frustrating because I think that's going to be a very close to a 50-50 split. I kind of see Mostert like the Ronald Jones in Tampa Bay. You know, when he's good, he's good. Um, but he's got a chip on his shoulder. I'll say that. he's Everybody in the world writes off Mostert, and, and he's on Twitter saying, hey, don't forget me. He's been saying that numerous times on Twitter. Um, he's out to prove something. So I like them both. I give Sermon the edge. And then the quarterback situation, I think this Trey Lance is going to be a special kid. I, I'm mad at myself for not – finding ways to get a couple more shares. Yeah, I know, I know. You know, I mean, after the draft, I did say, hey, once he landed in San Fran, that was the ideal situation there. But uh, he's looking special. He really is. My one friend who's a Niners fan, play fantasy as well, he messaged me tonight. He's like, how about all this Niners hype there? And he was actually trying not to be a fan. He's like, he threw that touchdown pass against the second string to a backup <laughs> receiver, and everybody's putting him in the Hall of Fame. So we do need to calm down a little bit, but mm-hmm. he's going to be special. If Mostert is healthy, I think both of those running backs, they're going to work together and share the load. I don't think we're going to see a 60% market share if there are healthy running backs available. So I, I the the word of the day is temper. Temper your expectations on those running backs. And I, Trey Lance, I, I still think Jimmy gets at least a few starts, but how much of the hype around him this offseason in training camp is maybe to boost his stock a little bit. Oh, this is the best Jimmy's look since he's been here. Come trade for him. Come trade for him. The water's warm. All right. Well, one more thought. They have a that quarterback's just a great situation to have for that team, and it'll play itself out. But another note on the running back situation: it is good to have one or both of those guys, and just keep them on your roster. Um, the Niners, and this has been talked about a lot in the fantasy world as far as NFL schedules. It is a cupcake schedule late in the season, man. And we're in fantasy playoffs. To your point, John, you know, maybe one of those guys gets dinged up or hurt. You might have yourself a bell cow or, or, or a winner late in the season. So keep the Niners in mind as the season goes on. Yeah, and I don't mind having both of them. And I, I know we talked about possibly pivoting off of Sermon because of the workload here in 2021. But you got to look big picture. Raheem Mostert, probably not going to be there next year, especially if we see enough from Trey Sermon. It's going to be his show. And then the entire offseason with Trey Lance and working together, I, I think those two could be something special. Um, so maybe maybe I am looking to acquire Trey Sermon when Mitch is trying to move him. There we go. Um, as the season progresses, if if managers get frustrated, wow, he's only getting 10 carries a game here. So maybe there is an opportunity there. Another backfield rookie versus veteran, Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon, Mitch. I think... So far, the good thing is if you have Melvin Gordon on your teams, all of the reports are saying he's the best running back on the team right now. Yep. It's only a matter of time before Javante takes over. I really think this is one of the things that by week 10, week 11, week 12, Cam Akers from last year, right? It's going to take a long time in the season. Then he's going to take over and he's going to be very good. But it is going to be a painful 10 weeks until that happens. So if you have Melvin Gordon... Like I would even say have him on your roster for a few weeks, get him while he's getting all the work, and then move him after that. And if I'm contending and he's sliding into a flex spot, 
maybe I just write it out with him because mm-hmm. we don't know. Maybe he does land somewhere after, you know, Denver, if he's not extended here beyond 2021. But Javante Williams, I think he is going to take over that back. He's getting a lot of hype as well. And I know we don't want to really go into and engage the coach speak, but a lot of positive information coming out today. And I felt good because I had Javante as my pre-draft and post-draft running back too. So I've been a little quiet on that front with all the other running backs and, and rookies kind of popping off and not much about Javante with how well Melvin Gordon's been doing. Dan? Not a lot to add. I like Mitch's take a lot. And, and I think that is how it plays out. I just put like, I guess one take in favor of Melvin Gordon. Like I really enjoy watching Melvin Gordon run. And he's like that expensive set of tires that you're just going to, you know, take it down to the, into those tread is, is bare. And then eventually, you know, Javante Williams is going to be that new set of tires and you're going to ride it the rest of the way. I think they invested in Melvin. They're going to get as much as they can out of him. They're going to finish off that contract. Um, so I think he's going to have a good season. I think he is going to be the guy early, but I like that acres analogy is late in the year. You're going to have a fresh Javante and the ta- the cream's going to rise to the top. Eventually it's just a matter of when. And I like going through all these situations because even when we have agreed, we're still giving different angles. And that's what I love about the show and the discord and, you know, being on Twitter and everything. And I've said this to you earlier, Mitch, I'm not trying to change anybody's mind. Yeah. We are here to give our thoughts, what we would do. And then brainstorm. If we throw something out there and like, hey, that sounds like a good idea. Maybe I'll try that. Then it was a great episode. That, that, that's a win in my book, you know? So getting the creative juices flowing, I think that's what it, these conversations can really help with. Uh, just my soapbox really quick. Uh, Mitch, really quick, Justin Fields, Andy Dalton. Oh, you skipped one. Okay, so that confused me. Sorry. Um, we'll go with, uh, I think Fields is just going to take over. Like I know Dalton had a good, end of the year with the Cowboys last year, but Fields is going to take over. Everything we hear from every person that talks to him is he's a leader. He's the guy that you want on the football field. And so I think it's only a matter of time before he takes over. I wouldn't be shocked if it's week two. It's going to be very difficult based on what we're hearing to keep him off the field. And Dan even offered me Andy Dalton in a trade. And maybe this was stubbornness (laughs) or whatever you want to call it. I actually rejected that. And I wanted Samaje P. Ryan instead of Andy Dalton. I mentioned this trade elsewhere. It, we almost got hung up on it. And I went back and I said, fine, take out Andy, throw in Samaje. That is how I feel about this quarterback situation. If I thought I could get six weeks out of Andy Dalton, okay, that's that's a little different. But I don't even think we get there. So whereas we talked about Mac and Cam, that could go into the season. We talked about Trey Lance and Jimmy. I still could go into the season a little bit, depending on how that team's doing and how Jimmy looks. But this situation, this is the one I'm thinking Justin Fields takes over much sooner rather than later. So, Dan, thanks for the Samaja Piran. You can keep your Andy Dalton. <laughs> hey, man, you never know what, what, what could happen to make Andy Dalton relevant this season. But unless things go absolutely perfect, yeah, man, would you give us one JB where I could disagree with Mitch here for a change? I, I know, I know. But uh, I, I do think it's Justin Fields. I just think as an offensive coach, you could do so much more with Justin Fields than Andy Dalton could do. And, you know, like the Bears, their O-line's not like top three O-line in the NFL where Dalton's going to be upright and had all those weapons like he did in Dallas. Um, It's just a different scenario. So I I think he's a great quarterback to have in their locker room. And I think once they feel Fields has got that offense down, it's going to be his turn. And that's going to be early. And you said something really quick. And I'm looking at the names again here. And that's something the reports that have come out of San Francisco 
I've seen nothing but good things with the way Jimmy Garoppolo is treating Trey mm-hmm. Lance and the relationship they're forming. And then you have players like Ben Roethlisberger, whenever Mason Rudolph was drafted, it's not my job to teach him, Aaron you Rogers. know, yeah. Aaron Rodgers. So I think the way Jimmy Garoppolo is, is handling this situation. And I'm sure he knew this was coming before the draft, probably the, the Niners let him know, whereas the Packers didn't let Aaron Rodgers know they were taking Jordan Love. So uh, there's that mutual respect there. But I, I think it's a great situation and also something other teams might look at and say, Jimmy's a guy that we want if if San Francisco isn't going to be able to utilize him. Uh, Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill, this is a big one. I will say I never thought that it was going to be a fair battle. Taysom Hill would have to be so much better than Winston because they could always give Winston what Brees had. And then Taysom can still come in and do his thing. So in my opinion, Taysom had to be so much better than Winston in order to take the full job because you lose that package that they have for him. Then all of a sudden that package turns into a whole playbook and then you have to worry about you know, him running too much and getting injured. And so in my opinion, it's going to stay Winston because I just don't think Taysom has done enough so far from everything we've read to be the starter. I want it to be Winston for my dynasty shares. I, I think based on the reports, it should be Winston, but I just have this bad feeling in my <laughs> stomach, you know, and it's just being pessimistic. If I didn't have Jameis Winston on my roster, I think I'd be stamp of approval. Jameis Winston, he's going to start. But just this negativity is just in the back of my brain, just chirping. Just, just did you like that? All right, Dan, what do you think? I like that little chirper there, man. Yeah. And and I, I am, you know, I have one lineup where I need Taysom Hill. I have a, I have a quarterback needy lineup and I'm, I'm crossing my fingers. I roll the dice and trade it for him in one league. Um, man, this is probably the hardest one in the entire show notes because I could really make an argument either way as a coach and say what's best for that offense. You look at the pedigree of Winston. He's a true quarterback, has all the tools. Did he mature enough? Only they know that inside that locker room. Um, whether he's got the maturity to lead that team or like Peyton wants him. Um, if they think he has that, I do think it's going to be Winston, but we see all these injuries and like these no name wide receivers. And when Ty Montgomery comes back in the, in the, in the fold, I'm like, man, that kind of makes a case to have that running quarterback and run a little different style offense and um, try to win games with Taysom. And he could still throw. So I can make an argument either way. That's the, I'm, I'm hedging all bets. 51, 49 Winston. Yeah, this is probably the most difficult one. Uh, Mitch, Taysom Hill or Cam Newton? If I had, if I had Cam, would you oh, offer Cam. me Taysom? No, I want Cam. Right, yeah. I'm saying, would you offer me Taysom? Oh yeah, yeah. For Cam, uh, Dan, do you agree? Oh man, yeah. I, I always take the le- the least risk here because I, I don't really, I don't really see an upside long term on either side. Right, I, I just, right. I, I struggle for that. So I think you're going to get the most points out of Cam this year. So as of now, yeah, that'll change in like uh, three weeks, though. No, I I believe I didn't think I would have taken that. But as we talk and, and the conversations we've had, I will take Cam Newton over uh, Taysom Hill. And again, it's not like a high profile. Whoa, that's a blockbuster trade if you get it done in your dynasty league. What but that, that's the type of move that can help you in the long run. I'm worried about New Orleans probably like we were in New England a year ago. That offense is really starting to get me a little bit nervous. I mean, you lose Michael Thomas for a long stretch. You've got a rookie tight end. Your potential number two receiver isn't really a number two receiver. Now he's hurt. Um, hey, hey, Michael Thomas is still – he's not on the reserve pup, though. 
And they, so there was that glimmer of hope. There is that glimmer of hope. And there's some sleeper receivers there. I've been, I've, I've got <laughs> 10 shares of Deontay Harris and I've got, you know, four shares of Marquise Callaway. There's been different reports be from last year. And, and, you know, I did see some things on film that those guys are, they're, they're decent football players. And I'm just thinking somebody has to catch the ball in New Orleans. And I do not believe it's going to be Ty Montgomery. Let's just say Alvin Kamara, he's not injured, but he's just off for a play. So the personnel that's on the field when Kamara is off, is there a worse offense than the NFL talent-wise? No, that's got to be up there. I mean, it's it's horrible. It's very, very, very bad. And so that's my worry is if Kamara goes down or Thomas is out for a while, Jameis Winston isn't going to lead. I mean, he was great with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. I don't think he's going to be that good with Harris and whoever else happens to be on the Callaway, Traquan was injured. He he left practice today. To to Mitch's point there, I feel like we're willing into existence fantasy football production from the Saints because of Coach Payton, like we were last year with New England with Belichick. Mm -hmm. And I think that they mustered as much as they can last year in New England, but that was some ugly football we watched. It could be a repeat. Yeah, and and for the sake of these receivers, if when you look at the splits, and I was looking over this for a guest spot last week, with and without Michael Thomas, Callaway went from about 2% to 11% target share. And then Traquan Smith doubled from, I believe, 7 to 14. So there is a significant increase there. Mm-hmm. And potential last flex play in your start 11 league, maybe. You know, again, I'm not preaching, yeah. hey, top 24, here we come. But there is a, the possibility of usable weeks, injuries, by weeks, if Jameis Winston is the starter. If it's Taysom Hill, I'm a little bit more skeptical. And then people will be very upset if we didn't mention Adam Troutman in the mix. I think he benefits if Jameis Winston's the quarterback as well. Yeah. I think Adam Troutman, he's a very good blocking tight end as well. And I think he's going to be utilized in that role a little, little bit more with Taysom Hill as the quarterback as opposed to Jameis Winston. All right, Michael Carter versus the Scrubs. Who do you got, Mitch? Oh, you guys already know I'm choosing Carter. <laughs> I mean, I think, but I mean, even at our projections, we have been like 50%, like I think an 8% target share, maybe eight it, and a half. It's, it's nothing crazy. Yeah. It's tiny. He ends up being like a low-end running back too. And I think that's where he's going to finish. But for what the cost you were getting him in the draft, it's smash value. I mean, that is such good value for where you were getting him. And so hopefully it plays out that way because that's the one guy to where all offseason I was trying to get him in all the drafts that I could just because I thought there was an opportunity for this to happen. And so far, everything we're hearing from camp, from the beat reporters, and those New York beat reporters are different than everyone else. So if someone's bad, they will just flat out say they're bad. So far, everything's good about Carter. I haven't heard really anything of Tevin Coleman, LaMichael P. Ryan, mm-hmm. uh, Ty Johnson creeping around. Remember what Ty Johnson was a thing? I uh, He was somebody last run in startups. I was mm-hmm. I was trying to snatch him up early in the offseason. Well, here we are. I, I know the projections have him coming out based on the workload. Is running back three achievable? I think, yes, it is. But we've seen situations where, hey, there's nobody there. This guy's got to get the workload. So this is how the projections come out. Levy on Bell last year. <laughs> yes, and we're not moving far. New York Jets still. So I, there is some some hesitancy on my end, some mm-hmm. being a little pessimistic. But Michael Carter, I don't think he's going to get pushback from the rest of the 
the options there, but I'm intrigued to see how he's utilized in the passing game because you get that receiving work, you're elevated instantly. And you guys know how I feel about fourth round draft capital for running backs. So hopefully, hopefully this is the guy that shuts me up. I, after hopefully. he scores a touchdown. I hope so. Listen, after, is, I'm sending him a check. After he scores a <laughs> touchdown, the camera is going to zoom in on his face and he's going to flip the ball and go, what round was I taking in JB? He's going to say that live on Fox or CBS. I, I feel it. I really live feel on it. dynasty theory. Come on, man. Think big here. Right, right. All right. So, Dan, how do you feel about Michael Carter here? I share your pessimism, JB, but I also think it could be the one guy that I'll be wishing I listened to Mitch more of and, and gobbled up a you know a couple of shares here and there. Um, Tevin Coleman, I've got plenty of best ball shares. I just see such a young offense, and you know, there's a lot to learn there. And to have that veteran Tevin Coleman in the backfield is a little bit of a security blanket for a quarterback. Uh, so I, I see some shares there. I wouldn't rule out Coleman if he could stay healthy. I always hate that if he could stay healthy, but I just feel and that and way. He's with... familiar with that offense too. So, I mean, that is a they big They signed aspect. him for a reason. You right, know, they signed right. Him, they, gave him, they gave him a paycheck. And so I'm a little bit skeptical. I, I kind of think they're going to be a time in a timeshare. But again, the cream normally rises to the, co- the crop and Mitch is probably right on Carter. To the cop, to the crop, you know. Uh, I wasn't sure. It does something. Yeah. It's got to do good on and off the field. Well, here's the thing, guys. I can take a victory lap no matter what happens with Michael Carter because listen, listen, listen. Uh, I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. So fourth round draft capital, blah, 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 all the stuff I've said. And I I believe it. But based on where he was going in drafts, I landed a good amount of Michael Carter. So you better believe when he pops off, if he pops off, I'm going to throw some screenshots of my roster ship percentage. But if he, if, if he falters, I've been telling you all along. And you're going to say, JB, let me see the Dynasty Planet screenshot. I'm going to say, ah, the site's not loading for me for some reason. <laughs> it's, not, it's, not, I can't, it's not working. But I, I'm, it's a win-win. All right, really quickly, these, these last two, and there's probably not much relevance with the one, possibly with the other. Wide receiver three oh, in Minnesota has opened up. Ola B.C. Johnson is out. Chad Beebe, Amir Smith-Marzette, D.D. Westbrook, K.J. Osborne getting a lot of positive reports, or should we just move on? I don't care. Okay. Dan? Irv Smith is the wide receiver three in Minnesota. Forget those guys. Boom. There we go. Uh, Wide receiver three for the Los Angeles Chargers. I think a little more interesting. I know Linda G over a fantasy football confidential. She likes Tyron Johnson. And based on the reports, even though he did leave practice early today, or he didn't practice today because foot ankle injury, but Josh Palmer, Tyron Johnson, Jalen Guyton. I think Tyron Johnson's going to get the opportunity first in that wide receiver three role. I'll go with Palmer. They spent that draft capital on him. I think he's going to get work and he doesn't have to be on the field a lot is the nice thing. And right, so, right. I mean, all three of these guys are probably going to be on the field. And so you're kind of hoping for the guy that gets the 6% target share and not the four and a half percent target share, but I'll go with Palmer. And the big thing I think would just be if there was an injury at with Keenan Allen or Mike, Mike Williams. Williams. Mike and, Williams is the one. Yeah. And Mike Williams could be a really pleasant surprise. This These can be too. so good if he could stay healthy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think de- he was talking about developing that relationship and rapport with, with Justin Herbert. And it wasn't, the chemistry wasn't there right away, but being able to work with him throughout the year, throughout the off season, that is somebody that could certainly tip the scales there and hit that wide receiver 24 threshold. Dan, do you want to mention anything here? You summed it all up with wide receivers. Tight ends are interesting there too. Uh, you know, we read today there's a four man rotation at tight end. <laughs> so 
we'll see, man. Everybody's getting footballs. All right, man. I thought this was gonna be a forty-minute show. I don't even know what, why do I say this. It's every episode. My wife go, asked, and I was like, well, "Let's go with three hours." And if I'm done before then, that'll be okay. And the, the listeners are probably thinking, "JB, you're full of crap. Why do you even bring this up every episode?" I'm always I'm optimistic in that sense, but we just have too much when, fun here. Once we listed a million players in our show notes, I knew uh, thirty minutes was out the window. <laughs> so keep going, brother. All right, what so we got. Yeah. We moved on from the training camp battles. If anybody has any questions, any thoughts, again, I have been diligently working, just going through beat reporter uh, news and actively reaching out to several. Again, fingers crossed I get some responses on some of the interesting ones that I'm I'm looking to hear back on, but uh, nothing yet. But there are players and situations and things that we're focused on that are not necessarily training camp battles. Mitch, I don't think you blinked in two minutes. You good? I'm good. I'm there good. Go. I was just there thinking. I was just so, thinking. So things that we're focused on here as training camp is wrapping up. Mitch, you went a different direction with this. I did. I wasn't really looking at specific players that I'm caring about. What I'm really looking at is, and this is just for from like a theory perspective, right? I'm looking at how players are being used in the preseason because we don't have four preseason games except for like the Cowboys because they play the Hall of Fame game. But everyone has three now. So I'm assuming only the Scrubs are going to play in the third preseason game is what I'm guessing. Um, first one we'll see started for a little bit. But that second game, if I'm seeing like guy like we brought up Michael Carter, if Michael Carter is in the first two series and we don't see him again and we don't see him in the third preseason game, tells me everything I need to know. Then really for point. guys like Rondell Moore, if Rondell Moore is out with the starters in that second preseason game, and then all of a sudden he's just not there, that's what I want to see. But if I'm seeing a guy like Amon Ross St. Brown in that third preseason game playing a full half, I'm like, well, obviously the coaching staff isn't happy with where he is right now. And so I'm really looking at the rookies because I don't know if we know exactly how coaching staffs are going to attack this small preseason and how long they're going to keep the starters in. I just want to make sure that the guys who I really care about on my dynasty teams and see how they're playing, how they're being used in that second game and the third game, and then going on from there. That's what I really care about for this preseason. And they're getting those first team reps, and I think the quarterback situations are a little bit different. I'm not going to panic if Justin Fields oh, no. is... I expect him to be. Yeah, Right, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, even Trevor Lawrence, uh, Zach Wilson. I'm not going to be concerned because we know they're going to, to get the eventual opportunity. But you mentioned it before we went live tonight with the Rams, Daryl Henderson not taking part in the preseason. And to steal a quote from Mitch Sorensen, that tells us what we need to know. They want him to be the guy. Do they have any other options? Maybe that's exactly. part of it. They kind of have to. <laughs> they want him to be the guy. And they need him to be the guy. And that has been seen in our projections again. Patreon, the tears, projections live episodes. I've been throwing out articles pretty much uh, once a week, just on different theory and questions that people have had. So I've been putting that together, but yeah, that I think that's a perfect uh, way to look at it as the preseason approaches. Dan. Sorry. I got distracted there. JB uh, had a message coming in. <laughs> it was in the discord. It was okay. I saw the message. I understand why he, you know, well, read well, it. here before I, I, I remember it. some supporting news there, breaking news. And then there was like a discord issue. Ah, hold on really quick. Then before I turn it over to Dan, one last thing I want to say, I want to piggyback off of what Mitch said. Remember two years ago, 
James Washington was getting those second and third team reps, and he was killing it. Unfortunately, I was on the Dante Moncrief side, and but I was very adamant that James Washington, this is a sell window, and people were saying, no, 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 no. So just be very, uh, you know, pay attention to where these stats are coming from. If you're checking that box score the next morning, oh, man. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, 200 yards, yeah. <laughs> 180 well, he, yards and three touchdowns. He, he didn't have a first or second team rep. So, and, and we love Amon Ross St. Brown. So hopefully that's not the case and he gets his first team reps. But anyway, Dan, if I could turn it over to you now. So love what Mitch said there. He and still doesn't we, know what we're talking yeah. about. What was, the, what, was the, what was the question there? What, <laughs> what, what, what are you focused on here? <laughs> I told you I was looking for this breaking news, and then I had an issue with the Discord. I had to reset the, our Discord channel. So I got, I got, I got, I got sidetracked, man. I'm really worried I when I hear you say that. you reset the Discord channel. Everybody is banned. That's all that I know is going to happen. So what are you keeping tabs on throughout? The I rest couldn't of get into the camp? Discord there. So, Good. Maybe you'll okay. take the take the hint. So that, that's what so, I was answering, John. That was you're saying I wasn't answering the question. My point was, John. I like what Mitch said there, but I think we followed the offseason so well that we've got a pretty good gauge on what's happening. Now it's just those loose ends. Like, I love Mitch's take on the rookies there, that, that there's a certain pieces to the puzzle that we're trying to fill out. So now I'm down to, like, a handful of offenses that I really focused on in my show notes tonight in, in a couple individual situations. Um I wanted to. I started my notes just on brand with the, with the Cowboys there, especially as we do these underdog fantasy drafts. It is amazing the money that people have invested in this Dallas Cowboys offense. And right now, you have that 160 million dollar arm with a shoulder strain that, you know, I think's going to be okay. But I, I'm a little bit nervous about. Um, no, here comes John's challenge no, no, no. flag. No, this is a, a friendly friendly flag here. Um, I, there's a lot of misleading headlines and I was going to bring this up in my final thought tonight. There's a lot of misleading headlines. So make sure you're paying attention to what's actually taking place. I saw one headline that Dak Prescott setbacks, blah, blah, blah. No, there was no setback. They're just going to bring them along a little bit more slowly than they, you know, we had hoped initially, but there was no setback. So I'd be very uh, cautious and again, pay attention, just like I talked about the box scores, but pay attention to the article itself, the information, even the articles sometimes they leave out, oh, Dallas Goddard failed a physical. He failed the conditioning. Okay. It was something because of his technique in a drill, not because he was came, coming in 450 pounds overweight. So just pay attention. All right, Dan, sorry. And that really goes to the points, John, that we've brought up about decipher and coaches speak you know what, what you could really you know i mentioned that patriots running back i knew that was a good fantasy nugget for me on damian harris but then we know how many times you know certain coaches like coach arians or something just gives you fluff and you really got to be careful or coach carroll is another one of them that just you know you can't buy into it so with dallas there's a lot of coaches speak there when coach mccarthy said ah, i'll be back in a couple of days i mean like every dallas beat writer said eh, really you know not right, quite sure right. So my point is there's just a lot of ifs in Dallas right now. You got Dak's shoulder. You got Amari's ankle. You got the O-line that hasn't been healthy in, in quite a few years. So as much as there's a lot of positives coming out of that Dallas camp, and I'm, I'm, I'm you know drinking the half glass half full again Kool-Aid that I do every year, 
Uh, I think there's a lot to be cautious there. And, and I've got a lot of shares. I, I know a lot of America has a lot of shares in this offense. So I'm watching camp really closely just to see that these guys come out healthy. Tyron Smith looking the best shape of his life, left tackle. Uh, all of a sudden the elbow's bothering him again, and he, he's out this week. So if not all those pieces are there, it just might not be as easy as, as we think. And then there's a little bit of a tight end battle going on there that no one's talking about. You know, I know there's a lot of Blake Jarwin truthers, but Dalton Schultz has been getting more of the reps. They've been easing Jarwin into it, and Schultz has been taking advantage of him and looking pretty good like he did last season. Jarwin was listed as the number one tight end on the unofficial depth chart, but in my heart it's official. Okay, There's a chance Schultz could – be that guy this year but but i think they're going to eat into each other's carries and become like almost fantasy irrelevant with, with all the other targets in that offense um i don't know can, i think they'll can, have good carries games, targets but... same thing <laughs> he's still he's still he's still thinking about resetting the discord so, apparently all right i have a question for both of you this is off the show sheet but it's newsworthy so i'm gonna ask how are you guys feeling about the colts especially Jonathan Taylor. The reason why I ask is because Quentin Nelson has the foot issue. Carson Wentz, you know, they both have the exact same surgery. They're supposed to be out five to 12 weeks right around there. Um, I know five, you're not gonna... five, to, five to 12 weeks. I mean, we've talked about five to 12 weeks from the surgery. Yes. From the surgery. So as of this past week, so there's a chance they're ready for like week one, week two, if everything goes according to plan, you know, I know you're both not trading Jonathan Taylor, but do you worry at all if that offense has a drop-off? Because we love to talk about someone like David Montgomery. You talk about, oh, his last games were so easy, and that's when he took off. No one ever brings up the fact that here's Jonathan Taylor's big games against Green Bay, against the Las, Las Vegas Raiders. He was good against Houston and Jacksonville. Those were his big games last year. But, you know, we all love him because he has a draft capital. He looks amazing on the field. He has the offensive line. What if Nelson doesn't come back to 100%? Then all of a sudden, does Jonathan Taylor hold his value because running backs hold their value that are drafted that high in Dynasty, right? You have Saquon Barkley, who missed all last year, still going to the same spot. CMC, same spot. Are you guys worried about him? Not for dynasty purposes, but if you're doing best ball or redraft, I could see knocking him down a few spots because of the uncertainty, at least through the first few weeks of the season. But from a dynasty perspective, I'm still uh, nothing's changing for me personally. So, so I'm going I'm to hedge that a little bit. And I, that, I, I that, hey, for Christmas, Mitch, we're going to get Dan some hedge clippers to get rid of the hedges. <laughs> but hear me, hear me here. So, uh, okay, I'm not going to hedge. I'm just going to challenge, flag, disagree with John Bauer. Oh, I like it. It's, it's about time I'm, we I'm see that. John Bauer here tonight. So here's the thing with Jonathan Taylor. Do I agree with the point that, like, long-term dynasty, I'm out on Taylor? No, not at all. I think he, I think he's going to be a, a dynasty, a solid dynasty player. But if I'm looking at this year and I still want to win this year, I'm going to go to my rankings and I'm going to see who I have right around the Jonathan Taylor range and that's in a better situation than him and say, hey, could I swap Taylor and still end up with an elite running back that I want? Is it going to be Saquon Barkley? Is it going to be maybe trading down a little bit and getting J.K. Dobbins and getting something else in the deal that makes my team better because they're in really good situations? Because if that O-line, and that's on my notes, we have all these takes that we're watching now in camp. Well, I got to be looking at the Colts O-line because if Jacob Eason, man, you know, I believe in Coach Reich, and I think he'll get the most out of it. Easton, there's NFL genes there. 
but it won't matter if that O-line can't protect him. And then all of a sudden there's eight in the box on Jonathan Taylor and there's going to be some long Colts games. So you might be getting more production out of a different elite running back. So I'm not completely okay with it, JB. But again, we're talking about scale down production to start the season. If your team can't withstand that, maybe you weren't a contender to start with. It's the NFL, though, man. You lose your franchise quarterback, your elite lineman, another starting lineman. Some things are a little tough to overcome. No, no, no. I'm talking about your dynasty team. I don't care about the Colts. I don't care about the NFL. I'm talking about your dynasty team. So if you're going from, let's say, 18 points from Jonathan Taylor down to 10, your team, I, I would hope, could withstand that for a few weeks at least and still come out unscathed when looking at the longer term in the playoffs. This could be more than a few weeks, though. I mean, it, there's it, no game. It, it could there's be. a lot of question marks here. So, you know, just to, to the Mitchell source and quote of don't ever pack your bat, don't ever uh, unpack the suitcase while you're on my <laughs> roster. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, don't get too comfy. Yeah, no, I certainly can see a concern. But from a dynasty standpoint, I'm not I'm not changing course there at all. Now, again, if somebody wants to pay the price that was already set, sure. I mean, but I'm not going to drop it at all. Uh, a, a few other, really quick, I'm just going to rattle through situations or players that I've been paying attention to throughout training camp so far. Some of them with news, some of them a little less news, and then throughout preseason. And as the season progresses, Jalen Hurts and Daniel Jones, pivotal 2021 seasons for these two. And there is going to be, you got to win. That is how Jalen Hurts is going to keep this job. It's not going out there, you know, getting 30 fantasy points a game. I think people get very confused about fantasy production. Okay. And winning in the NFL. And that's, what's going to keep his job. Not by jacking up the fantasy scoreboard, 30 points and going six and 11. He will be out as a a starting quarterback in Philadelphia. So there was a lot of concern there. Daniel Jones, Evan Ingram, Kenny Galladay is, is there. It seems like Kenny Galladay and Daniel Jones can't get on the right foot here in training camp. So that's something I'm paying attention to Dallas. Dan, you already covered that. The Colts disaster. We talked about that Baltimore with a wasted training camp. Lamar Jackson has been gone. And that Mm kind of goes into the whole COVID thing. And with the Vikings, the lowest vaccination rate in the NFL, Mike Zimmer is frustrated. Their head coach, he has come out and, in not so many words, has said, go get vaccinated. They're not a little bit lower. They're at 65% when almost every other team is up to 80 and 90. I mean, it's crazy how different that team is compared to everybody else in the NFL. And what we're seeing now, there is a chance that games will be forfeited Yes, because of this. So I'm looking at this strictly from a fantasy football perspective. There is that concern there if you're the Minnesota Vikings. You have Dalvin Cook. You're ready for that championship matchup. Boom. Uh, Kirk Cousins gets COVID I, again. Uh, I mean, going back to Baltimore, Lamar Jackson, he's tested positive twice now. Um, you know, this is something we don't want to continue to see because we want our star players on the field. Uh, Terrace Marshall, he's been lining up everywhere. A lot of slot work, hype building on him. Kylan Granson, one of the, the stories out of the Indianapolis Colts camp we've talked about him previously uh dan you mentioned his name before the nfl draft Mm -hmm. so that's how far back that goes elijah moore they have seen in new york that they can use him all over the field he started with the twos now he's working with the ones he lined up today with the ones to kick off their uh practice and it seems like all systems go with elijah moore i'm hoping that offense 
can really uh, be rejuvenated here in New York. There's a lot of excitement there, which is the opposite for Mims. Mims, oh man, yeah, might not ever see the field. Right now, he's playing with the threes. I wouldn't be shocked if we see him move for a conditional seventh rounder. To be honest with you, yeah. And again, it's like a Christian Kirk situation. Hopefully, mm-hmm. it's somewhere that we just get some excitement and we can move on. But before we move on and, and wrap up tonight's show, final thoughts. Mitch, starting with you for the 128th time. <laughs> final thoughts. That is a lot. 128 episodes. It is a lot like of episodes. Oh, made, made it sound like he was tired of hearing from you, Mitch. He's like, Mitch, for the 128th time. <laughs> what have you got to say? Sick of hearing this, but come on. But the one thing I wanted to mention is I think if you're in more than five leagues, you should have a spreadsheet made right now. Because what I love to do is right now I will go through, I'll be like, contender, contender, rebuild, rebuild, contender, contender. And I'll keep track of that throughout the season. Because it's funny how some of those rebuilds somehow become contenders by week five. Like, lo and behold, I was just wrong and these players are hitting. And then a lot of those contenders become rebuilds. And I actually think that's something just fun to watch to see how right you are. Because if you're wrong on that, you could be making trades right now that are ruining your chances one way or the other. And that's one of the reasons that we put together that point per game analyzer that we mm-hmm. include with our projections on the Dynasty Theory Patreon. Is this trade actually going to benefit me? I mean, the Dynasty perspective, there's a lot of fantastic resources out there, but also the information we're providing. Is it going to benefit me in the long run? Okay. But is it going to benefit me today? Because the reason I'm making this trade is because I want to bolster my starting points per game. Well, it's not actually happening based on our projections and what we're seeing. So that is available. Dan, final thoughts? Man, just just a couple of shout outs tonight. Great week coming up here. Hall of Fame game Thursday night, 8 p.m. on Fox. My Cowboys versus John's sort of Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> Cannot wait. And uh, day before the the, the uh, Hall of Fame game, shout out my son, Braden, uh, 11th birthday. So birthday, Hall of Fame game. This is going to be a fun week. Happy birthday to him. And one thing I just want to mention just real quick. I meant to mention it. This is redraft time for Dynasty. Like... Dynasty teams might as well be 90% redraft right now because that's how everybody's going to start to trade. Everybody's going to think they're a contender. So just know that when you're going into trades. And that's not a knock because no. we all three of us have that's done it. That's how I am. Yeah, Everybody does it, but there are ways. And I think that's going to be one of the first episodes we do when the actual regular season comes around is taking advantage of situations like that. And the biggest opportunities, unfortunately, come from injuries across the NFL, especially high-profile players, that's when we see such drastic shifts across the dynasty landscape and within your particular league. But this was a fantastic episode. Tried to get it down to an hour. Almost made it. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram, at Dynasty Theory FF. We talked about the Patreon. We talked about the Discord. We talked about Underdog. We talked about the merchandise. It's going to be down below in... Kadarius Tony practice today. Oh, well, where right. did they come from? Oh, all sorry. Right. Uh, that, maybe that was Dan. But all the links are on YouTube below the video. And then wherever you typically listen to Dynasty Theory, it's going to be available in the description on the podcast feed. Until next week, we'll catch you, everybody. Peace.